0: Uh, Good morning, my name is Daniel. I am one of the trustees here um, and on the teaching staff. Um, And also, I want to wish you all a Merry Christmas because it's December. Um, So, welcome to the Christmas season. Uh, Today is the first Sunday of Advent and it's a period of preparation and of anticipation Uh, anticipation of the coming of our Lord Jesus and preparation for what he is about to do. Uh, It's also a time of fasting for many of the Christian traditions, some of the more liturgical denominations. So if you're uh, maybe worried about picking up a few pounds over the holidays, there's an option for you. Uh, (laughs) Christmas is a time of love and joy and peace. Uh, It's a time of playing in the snow, and then going out, uh, or coming in and gathering around the fireplace and, uh, watching It's a Wonderful Life, or, uh, maybe that new sequel to A Christmas Prince, uh, on Netflix, what's that? Royal Wedding, is that what it is? Uh, <laughs> it's also a time of chaos, craziness, and credit card bills, am I right? Uh, pushing and shoving past those losers in Target because they're trying to take my kids' fingerling. I mean, sorry. <sighs> um, <laughs> uh, according to the National Retail Federation, Christmas in America cost us $717 billion in 2017. Uh, it is expected to hit over $720 billion this year, with the expected average per person hitting a whopping $885, $885 per adult shopping. Uh, This is actually down a bit, believe it or not, from 2001 when it peaked at $1,052 per adult shopping. Now, where does all that money go? Any kid can tell you, of course. The only thing on their minds right now or presents. <laughs> this is kind of what Christmas looked like at my house when I was a child. But I had eight siblings, so <laughs> I don't know if this mom had one or three or nine. But that's basically what the kids are imagining right about now. The the uh, the rush of tearing through the paper, of pulling off the bows and ribbons. And finding that perfect toy, the one that they've been hoping for and praying for and bartering with the elf on the shelf about. I remember one year, my brother and I, we got this awesome racetrack for Christmas. Kind of looked like that. I couldn't find the exact picture, but that's close enough. Uh, You could mount it on the wall, and then you'd hook in the controllers and plug it in, and the car's... They would race around like they were completely defying gravity. Just like stuck to the wall there. It was amazing. And of course, you know, I always won uh, against my brother. I guess I've just always been the better driver. Uh, But that, that was a great gift. It was a memorable gift. Um, What are some of the memorable, memorable gifts that you've received over the years? Just shout a couple out. What's something really stood out for you? There's nothing quite like getting that perfect gift for Christmas, right? But there's also nothing quite like the feeling when you've been hoping for one thing, and then Santa doesn't come through. Uh, Did you ever have that happen? Yeah, I see several nods in the room. I'm pretty sure we showed something like this last year, uh, but call it a tradition, and traditions are important, right? Uh, you all know who Jimmy Kimmel is, I imagine. Maybe? No? eh? Well, he challenged his viewers. He was, he's a stand-up comedian. On, he does a talk show or something like that. Yeah, he's not important. But in any case, he challenged his viewers to give their kids a gift a little early a couple years back, uh, but then he told them to give them something really terrible and give it to them a couple weeks early, a couple days early post that video to youtube. So we're going to go ahead and we're going to watch that video ah. real quick. And you know, sure that includes like the cowboy sweater that you got from your aunt Gertrude or the uh, organic gluten-free, sugar-free, flavor-free fruitcake that you got from your boss instead of a holiday bonus this year. But it also includes the other kinds of disappointments we face every day. You know, the struggles, the lost dreams. There's a long-standing rumor uh, that suicides tend to peak around the holidays. Uh, because everyone expects to be happy for Christmas, but then those hopes uh, aren't met. And while I was uh, doing research for this, uh, I learned this isn't actually true, um, because more people tend to be around family during this time that can sort of help protect them and um, keep them safe. But there is a peak right after New Year's, once the celebration is over. Uh, Christmas Christmas is a time when we start reflecting on our year. Um, In our lives, really. Uh, We see the accomplishments, the growth, the joyful times. um, But we also find ourselves contrasting that with what we had planned or what might have been. Uh, The joy is mixed with pain. Um, Let's face it, our lives wouldn't make a good Norman Rockwell painting. But even when things aren't how we expected... Even when our dreams seem like they're too far gone, Christmas will always be a reminder that there is hope. Hope for everyone. No matter the pain, the heartache, the hardship, no matter the challenges, the disappointments, the lost chances, there is hope for everyone. And this Christmas, we want to grab a hold of that hope, and we want to celebrate it together. Today, we start the series named Hope for Everyone. We're looking, probably as we should, at the Christmas story, and at the lives of the people who were a part of it all on that holy night 2,000 years ago. To set the scene, the people of Israel have been waiting for hundreds of years for their Messiah, the anointed one, the one who would be their rescue. It's been about 60 years since Rome took over, probably about 30 years since Herod the Great was made king. We are reading in Luke today, uh, starting in chapter 1. If you want to pull out your blue Bibles, if you want to open up your uh, app on your smartphone, your Bible app, version, or if you've got your own Bible with you, that is awesome too. Uh, If not, we've got the words up on the screen. This is one version that we've selected, but if you have a preferred version, that's why you would bring your own. And in in this first chapter, the very first people that we meet, they probably lived through both of those events, the crowning of King Herod and the uh, siege of the temple by Pompey. Those two people are Zechariah and Elizabeth. These are a couple who worked in the temple and had a lot of reasons to be disappointed in life. So to start off, we're going to see what these two can teach us about hope and about dealing with disappointment. Luke writes, In the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. His wife, Elizabeth, was also a descendant of Aaron. Both of them were righteous in the sight of God, observing all the Lord's commands and decrees blamelessly. But they were childless, because Elizabeth was not able to conceive, and they were both very old. Now, I've had friends who had to deal with infertility, and I know it can be truly heartbreaking, but in this situation, besides being emotionally painful, there was a social stigma that went along with it, because in Jewish culture at this time, a childless woman was considered to be cursed it's assumed that her inability to conceive is a result of some sin. Maybe hers, maybe her parents. And Elizabeth herself even refers to her condition as a disgrace when we come to verse 25. So I want to ask you, do you ever think to yourself, why am I being punished? What did I do to deserve this? Either when something bad happened to you or to someone you love, someone around you. Did you ever think, Maybe if I would just been a better person, just been a little better, a better spouse, a better child, a better friend, better employee, or a better Christian. But then look back at that second part of that passage, because I want to point something out. It says here, both of them were righteous in the sight of God. He uses the word blameless. Not only were they good people, but God saw them as blameless, And yet here they were suffering a lack of family. Do you know what that means? It means, yes, sometimes bad things happen to good people. Sometimes good people have to deal with terrible disappointment. Luke goes on, once when Zechariah's division was on duty and he was serving as a priest before God, he was chosen by Lot, according to the custom of the priesthood, to go into the temple of the Lord and burn incense. Okay, this needs a little more historical context. Um, around this time, the Jews are worshiping in the second temple. Uh, the people who helped them worship there are the priests, and the priests are the descendants of Aaron and the descendants of Levi, one of Jacob's sons. And there are probably about 18,000 of them altogether together in this time frame. Um, they have multiple families within the tribe of Levi, and they take turns working in the temple. is a Levite, and it's his family's turn to facilitate worship. Now, a priest only got to lead once, his entire life, if ever. So, to decide who actually leads, they're drawing straws or pulling names out of a hat. That's what it means by chosen by lot. So, Besides living without a child, now we find that Zechariah has been waiting for his chance in the temple. Imagine how it must have felt watching year after year as someone else's name kept getting pulled. The first few times, it's okay. He's young. The older priests are finally getting their chance. It's great. But then as he got older, now his peers are being called, and then some of even the younger ones. At some point, I imagine his being the only name of his generation left in that hat because everyone else is either already gone or is retired. But he just keeps waiting. Elizabeth keeps waiting. They've been waiting for so long they don't even know what else to do. They follow all the rules. They keep the commands. They do good work. But still, they're disappointed over and over again. Yet, they remain faithful. Blameless they don't grow bitter, they don't turn away from God, and they don't give up hope. So the first thing that we need to hear about hope today is that sometimes hope says wait. When you're disappointed, when you're hurting, when you're not sure if God hears you anymore, hope says wait. It's never too late for hope. So Zechariah finally got his turn in the temple. If he's anything like me, he's probably rehearsed the steps to his ritual over and over again in his head. He's walking through them again now, just trying his hardest not to mess it up. When suddenly, he's interrupted by an angel. First, he's startled. This wasn't in his notes. Is this supposed to happen? Did the others forget to mention this? And then he's afraid, maybe because his ritual is ruined, but more likely because there's a terrifying, beautiful man or creature. Is Gabriel one of the ones with six wings and covered in ice? Uh, And then when the angel speaks, and as all the angels have learned to start with, he says, whoa, don't be afraid. It's okay. Your prayer has been heard, and you are going to be a father. (gasps) He knows. (laughs) <laughs> the angel continues, You are to call him John. He will be a joy and a delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth, for he will be great in the sight of God. Then he starts quoting prophecy, saying that John would be the one to come in the spirit and power of Elijah to make ready a people prepared for the Lord wow. So Zechariah, he's in shock. He's reeling. I mean, what else can this be but a hallucination? Uh, maybe he wasn't supposed to inhale so much of that incense while he was praying. He, he looks for some assurance, some indication uh, that what he's seeing, what he's hearing is really happening. He asks, how can I be sure of this? I'm an old man, And my wife is well along in years. The response? I am Gabriel. I expect there was a little eye-rolling action there. (laughs) I stand in the presence of God, and I have been sent to speak to you and tell you this good news. And then, as a consequence of of his doubt, Gabriel informs Zechariah that he won't be able to speak again until John is born. Now, as a priest in Israel, Zechariah would have been intimately familiar with a similar story of an elderly couple who was barren and received a visit from an angel informing them of the birth of a son. Abraham and Sarah were equally surprised to learn that they would finally have a child in Isaac. When Zechariah needed to remember is that the God he was worshiping The God who sent Gabriel to him is the God of possibility. Nothing is impossible for our God. Zechariah needed to remember what he had learned in the Torah. Ironically, Zechariah's name means God has remembered. But then at that fatal moment, he couldn't believe that God remembered him. And that's something else that we do, isn't it? We know in our heads and we believe the abstracts about God. But when it comes to us, our belief falters. We believe that God is good, but we don't expect him to give us good things. We believe that he forgives, but then we doubt that he has enough forgiveness for what I did. We believe that God so loved the world, but we don't understand why he would love me. We believe God answers prayers, just not my prayers. So the second thing that we need to remember today is that hope says, remember. Remember God's promises. Remember how he's been faithful to you in the past. And remember that nothing is impossible. Hope says, remember. Now after this, Elizabeth did become pregnant, just as Gabriel said just as God had promised. Hope was made real. Their prayers were answered. And both Elizabeth and Zechariah sing praise songs to God. Elizabeth says, The Lord has taken away my disgrace. Zechariah sings, well, after their son is born and he has his voice back again. Praise be to the Lord because he has come to his people and redeemed them. Elizabeth no longer feels the shame of being barren, and Zechariah was blessed with a son, an heir, and a divine visit in the temple. And they named their son John, which means God is gracious. And God, being God, he takes it a step further. They asked for a son, but God saw their righteousness, so he gave them a prophet. As Jesus puts it, among those born of women there has not risen anyone greater than John the Baptist. Even though their wait was long and painful, the result was far better than they had hoped for. And that's why the third thing we need to remember today is that hope says trust. Trust in God's goodness. That he knows the plans he has for you, and he will see them through to their conclusions that he's a good father that he would not give evil gifts to his children. When we're facing our disappointments, regardless of whether God gives us exactly what we ask for, we trust that God will give us what we need. Even in the middle of our biggest disappointments, there's hope. And when we're facing our trust, our toughest struggles, our deepest longing, our hardest pain, hope says, wait. It's never Too late for hope to enter the story. Hope says, remember, God has not forgotten you, and nothing is impossible for God. And hope says, trust. God is at work, and there is goodness to be found, even when it's not what we expected. Wait, remember, trust, hope. About 2,000 years after Zechariah and Elizabeth the Jewish people found themselves facing another dark period in history. Probably the worst that they have ever faced. Out of hate and bigotry came unspeakable horror and unthinkable pain. This is far beyond disappointment. It was far beyond any reasonable person's threshold for hope. But even still, in their darkest hour, and in the darkest place in the middle of the Holocaust. Hope survived. When the Allied troops reached Auschwitz on January 27th, 1945, most of the prisoners had been sent west on a death march. But after the soldiers had liberated those that remained, they found in one of the barracks, scratched into the wall, these words, I believe in the sun, even though I don't see it shine. I believe in love, even though I don't see it expressed. And I believe in God, even though I can't hear him speak. Hope remained. The hope that we have as followers of Jesus is not blind optimism. It's not looking the other way in the face of our situations. Our hope comes from one night in history When a child was born in the little Israeli town of Bethlehem. Only this child was the savior of the world. He was the son of God. He came to show us the way back to God. To give us life and to give us the hope of knowing that one day there will be no more pain, no more sorrow, and no more disappointment. Jesus is our hope. He is the hope of the world. And that hope is for everyone.